You're listening to a podcast from gravitychurch.com, Lodi, California. So today, that's all I want to do is just share what God's kind of been doing in my life. And I hope that uh, you guys take a little something out of it. Will you pray with me real quick? Father God, Lord, I thank you today, Lord. I thank you that we can come to you and you're always available, Father God. Lord, that you love me even when I don't love myself. Lord, today I stand here in front of these people, Father God, and I ask that you just break me, Lord. That you just break everything down that is me, Father God, and that that all is reflected in them is you, Lord. That you use me as a vessel, Father God. I gave my life to you 10 years ago, Father God, and I've never looked back. Lord, so today I'm just your servant, Lord, and that's all I ever wanted to be. Amen. It, uh, I'm going to go to my notes again. This is weird. This is like the second time. How many of you were here for last time I talked about building blocks? It's a little show of hand. Good. So we'll have a couple of you who kind of know what's going on. Um, I just want to give you a little, just a little quick testimony because some of you know who I am. Some of you have been around, um, kind of know my story. But just, I mean, this is going to be real quick, Brandon. You're going to love this. It's going to be so fast. I know my nephew over here has heard it probably 35 times already because he's in my youth class too. So he's just like, oh, God, here goes the testimony again. But um, real fast, I was born and raised here in Lodi. Um, grew up with my grandmother. Had a lot of insecurities. Um, had a lot of fear. Uh, found out that alcohol relieved those at a very early age. Uh, that led into drug abuse. Um, towards the end of my career, I was, you know, uh, an intravenous drug user. Led me to commit crimes. Led me finally eventually to prison, which finally in turn led me to the Lord. So there's a testimony, you know, for you real fast. Um, but I was rescued 10 years ago. And the reason I tell you that is it's going to become clear later on in, in what I'm sharing. Um, 10 years ago, I was standing in a prison cell with nothing but a pair of boxers on when the Lord captured my heart. We're going we're gonna to need this tissue over here today, I think. Because last time I shared it was kind of funny. Today's maybe not so much funny, but I don't know because I'm pretty funny. But anyways, um, just hang with me. Uh, I was standing there in a pair of boxes, and I had nothing. And for somebody like me, that's where God had to take me. God had to take me. I'm a, I'm a kind of proud, kind of arrogant, kind of confident, conceited. Actually, I wasn't conceited. I was convinced. Um, and he had, to, he had to break that all down to the very core of who I was in order to get my attention. And uh, in order to do that, he had to take me to Folsom State Penitentiary. And the reason I tell you that is because I started on this journey 10 years ago. And uh, I've seen some amazing things. I've, uh, I've had some really intimate times with God in those 10 years. But as I've been on this walk with the Lord for the last 10 years, I've been growing and growing and growing and growing and growing and growing to the point I was about a month and a half ago. And I thought I pretty much had it all figured out, don't we? We get a couple years and we're like, yeah, dude, this is easy. I got this. And God said, oh, boy, this one's going to be tough for you too, Dan. And um, so I got to that point a while back where like everything was cool. And if you were here the last time I shared, I kind of shared a little bit about that. And what happened is, is God used, uh, uh, I, I didn't have a license. And God said, okay, well, Today, I'm going to allow things. You know, it's, it's funny. As I was sharing with the guy, and I said, you know, God was, he was telling me, why does God do this to me? And I said, God doesn't do those things to you. He allows things. He allows things in our lives for the betterment of each, each of us. So if you know, I got pulled over, and I ended up having to go to jail over this whole 
driving with no uh, driver's license for 10 years. And, um, but that's what God needed to do to bring me back because, see, I've gotten to this place in the last month and a half, and this is going to be hard for me to share, so just bear with me. But I got to this place in the last month and a half where I'm really, really angry. Does anybody understand anger? Cool, I got some people in here that, that grab that. And I'm not just talking about I stub my toe and I'm mad. That doesn't work like that for me. I'm talking about rage. I'm talking about something that you carry around inside you that just at any second could explode in the people around you. It's going to be very nasty for them. And that's where I've been at the last, for the last month and a half, and I haven't, I haven't known why. And last time I was here, I was talking about the driving. I was talking about child support. I was talking about Meg Ryan, how crazy that was. And the child support was one of the deals because I thought I had everything worked out with this child support. My ex-wife, she's a great lady, a very open relationship with, with her and, and my son. And she approached me about this child support, and right away I got mad. Because I didn't want to pay her. I didn't want to take responsibility. I didn't want to do that. And there's the honesty of it all. And that's hard for me to stand up here and admit that. But if you're truly trying to live like you're supposed to live, those are the things you need to be responsible with. And so right away I got mad. And what that done is that that's kind of affected the whole relationship. I was like, fine, take me back to court. Let's just do this. You want to fight? Let's fight. Right? Because that's all right, dude. I can fight better than anybody. And you're not going to win. And you're not going to get paid. And all this stuff and all these feelings. Well, guess what ended up happening because I haven't seen my son very much in the last four or five, six months. Because not only has it affected me and her, but it's affected him. And so I'm angry about that. And now I'm like, oh, so now you don't even want to come see your dad. So all this anger is building up. And I'm just like, okay, well, we can just put that over here. And we'll deal with that whenever we want to deal with that. So then some of you know that a little over a month and a half ago, I lost my mom to cancer. that's been a battle for me. You know, Jason last week was talking about faking it. And I've never been one to fake it. I don't do it well. It's written all over my face. This is how I feel. This is what you get. And it isn't always the right thing to do. I've been called various names <laughs> because of it. <laughs> but it's who I am. So, you know, he was talking about faking it last week. And, and I know what to say. I'm a pastor of this church, right? I know what the proper responses are been doing it long enough. Somebody would come up and they'd say, well, how are you doing? Well, I'm fine. It's, I'm at peace with it. What a blessing. You know, all these things. But it wasn't okay. And it wasn't peaceful. And it wasn't all right. But I couldn't allow myself, you see, because when I was a younger child, something happened to me. We won't go into the details of that, but something happened to me and I lost control for the first time in my life. And I made a promise to myself back then when I was a kid that I would never, ever be out of control again. That I would never let somebody or something direct my life. So I, I kind of kept everything nice and tight, real good. And as long as I could put my two hands around it, it was okay. Well, for the, and, and that worked. That worked for a long time. Even with God, that worked. I was like, okay, God, you can have all this, but I'm going to keep this little bit over here that I got, you know, I still got the hands on the steering wheel. I love that. Me and, me and brother Tim were sharing that the other day, and he said, yeah, you know, get, get our hands on that steering wheel. We like it. Um, but then something happened to me, and my mom wanted to go to Disneyland. That was her last wish. She said, I want to go to Disneyland, and I said, then I'm going to take you. 
I'm going to take you. And I set this benefit concert up, and I went over there and talked to her about it, and we planned everything out. But guess what? God had different plans. And my mom never made it to Disneyland. And I couldn't control that situation. And I couldn't take her there. And for the first time in my life, I said, I can't do this. I can't. It's out of my control. How, how do I deal with this? So then anger, right? That anger builds up. And so I'm carrying all this stuff around, and, and I, don't, I don't know how to process it. I don't, I don't know how to deal with it, but I, I know there's a God, and I'm crying out to God, and I'm just like, God, what, what's going on here? And I just want you to know through this whole time that he never left me. You know, I never lost sight of him. He never lost sight of me, but it was something that I had to go through. And so I'm going through this, this whole process, and now I'm having to come up on these 10 days that are due because we postponed them because mom ended up passing away. And I have to turn myself in, and I got, I got 10 days, and I'm like, okay, what does this look like? you got to understand, for the last 10 years, I've been a, either involved some way or somehow in this church. I've been a pastor here, youth pastor, uh, usher. I've done something. I've had a great home. I have a lovely wife, great kids, never wanted for anything. You know, I have stuff in my house. I have, I, I've, I've built this whole thing around me, this whole life around me. And, then for, and, and for the first time... In 10 years, I have to walk away from that. I have to let it all go. I have to find that freedom again that I had 10 years ago, but I didn't know it at the point, so it was very hard for me. Are you guys following me? So here I go on it. And, and even, I mean, even I'm telling everybody it's fine. I'm just going back to jail. Man, I did four days on, I could do four days on the toilet. You know what I mean? It ain't nothing, man. I've done years in prison, right? playing that card too because I'm, I'm a bad boy you know what I mean but something happens to somebody when you've, been, when, when you've been set free like that and then you have to go give up your freedom something happens and I didn't recognize it and I didn't understand it but I was like okay but you know what I did know is that I trust God my whole life I tr- I've trusted him and these last 10 years I'm just like even before I knew that I knew I knew you know what I mean so I go and turn myself in and I'm sitting there in the little waiting room before they even take you in. And there's all the people coming to turn themselves in. And I, and I just want you to know I've never turned myself in a day in my life. One time. Well, I gotta take that back. That's a lie. I turned myself in one time when I thought I was going to get out in time for my son Jeremy to be born. But other than that, every time after that, because that didn't work out real, real well either. So I had no control there either. But ever since then, I ran. You want me? You're going to cut. Get your shoes. Get, I'm going to buy you a pair of Nikes. And we're going to do this because you're going to have to catch me if you think you're locking me back up in that place. So I go to turn myself in and there's all these people there turning themselves in. I'm like, wow, this is what this looks like. This is different. You mean I get to voluntarily give up my cell phone and keys and all this stuff. But anyways, that's not, that's not the point. And I'm sitting there and this older gentleman comes in. And during this whole time, I don't know how, I'm not processing, like I said, with my mom and all this stuff that's going on. Have you ever just had people just speak truth into your life just by being there and by interacting with them and and by hearing their story or by what's going on and as and and like i shared last time and as i'm talking to this guy it happened again and it was like god you're showing off again he's multitasking he's using me him and the situation and he's getting it done but that's how he's got to work in my life because i'm hard-headed you guys i gotta be stripped down and, and busted up and crushed and turned into powder and built back up and 
you know, all that kind of stuff. So I'm sitting there and I recognize this one older gentleman. And, you know, we, we were, so I was talking to another guy and he looks over at me and he goes, you had three DUIs? And I go, yeah, I had three DUIs. And let me tell you this, that the last one was 16 months in prison. They will lock you up for driving drunk. And he's like, wow. He goes, man, I've just supposed to turn myself in today and I just had a really tough time and never find myself drinking a lot and then getting behind the wheel or, or whatever. And so right away in my radar, I'm like, okay, God, I know that there's more going on here than just me coming and doing these four days. First of all, I have to do the four days, but there's more going on here. God's using this. 10 years ago, I said, God, use me however you want. And he said, good, you're going back to jail. How do you feel about that? And I'm okay with that. Really? I was okay. I was like, all right, cool. If I got to go in there, you know, Paul did it. And so we'll, uh, We'll go in there and we'll share. But as I start to talk to this guy, he says, man, I'm just going through it. I, I, you know, this last year of my life has been a living hell. And I said, well, what's going on, man? Because that's what we do, you know. What's going on? We want to find out the story. And he said, my wife died of cancer a year ago. And it broke me. All of a sudden, me and this guy were connected. Never seen him before. Never talked to him before. But all of a sudden, we had a common bond. We had something that, that happened between us. He didn't need to say any more to me. I didn't need to say any more to him except that I understand. I just lost my mom a month and a half ago. And I know where you're at. And then this guy looks at me, and he said, and I've been mad at God ever since. And I just went, okay, God, now you're really showing off, right? Because <laughs> that's exactly where I've been. I'm mad. Not, not necessarily mad at God, but mad at the situations and, and mad at the out of control and mad at all that. But I'm knowing that something's happening here, and then, then, you know, the process starts to happen, and the guy gets up. And right when the guy gets up to walk away, God speaks to my heart, and he says, You tell him that I didn't do this to him, that sometimes I have to allow things to happen. Hmm. So the guy comes back, and he sits down, and, you know, I want to pray with you and all that. I, did, I just skipped right back that because he needed more than that. And I said, I just want to tell you something that God just spoke to my heart, and I think not only for you, but it was for me as well, is that sometimes, because this, this was the guy's attitude, you know, why did God do this? And I said, God didn't do this to you, you know, sometimes he has to allow stuff to happen in our life. And I said, and I want you to know that there's a God out there who loves you and loves your wife and loves me and loves my mom, and they're up there together with him, and you need to find peace in that. God bless you. I got to go. And so I get up and I go in there and he's turning himself in. But I know there's more to this story, right? Or at least so I think so. And as, we're, as I'm turning myself in, I keep kind of looking over my shoulder. And, and everybody's coming in. And he was about three guys back. And I go in and I sit down into the other lobby. And as I'm sitting there, I'm watching the people come in. And that guy never came in. I never saw him after that. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know where he went. But I never got an opportunity to talk to him again. So I call that my guy I never saw again. But you know, in that instant, I found peace. I had realized that there's things that we're going to go through in this life that we don't understand and that we're going to be completely out of control of. And in the middle of that, this big ball of chaos, there's a God out there who's just huge and powerful and just loves us that much. And he's got his hands around us. And he goes, yeah, you may be completely out of control and that's okay but know that I'm in control, and will you let me have control? And I said, yeah, God, I will let you have control. From this day forward, you do whatever you need to do in here, and you have control. So uh, 
ended up getting changed out into uh, my blues, what they like to call blues in there, and that was an interesting uh, transition. I won't share all the details with you because it's kind of different, okay? Um, so I, I get changed out, and, and I go over there. And you got to understand, I haven't been back to this place since 1994 was the last time that, that I saw this place, and it's 2009, so things are, things are a little different. I didn't take any money with me. Let me just tell you right now, if any of you plan on or have to turn yourself in, I know this ain't a normal conversation in church, but if you have to, take some money with you. Put it in your pocket, get you 40, 50, take it with you. Okay, so I get in there, I don't take any money with me. I'm thinking, I'll just get to a phone. If I end up staying long, everybody's like, you're going to do a day, dude. They're going to cite and release you. You're out of here. No, it's not how God's working in my life today. He says, we got some stuff to work on, and I need to get you away from all this stuff so I can do that. You're a knucklehead, Danny. I'm glad God knows that about me. God knows how to get the best out of Dan Randall. Believe that. So I get in there, and I'm like, okay, well, I find out. that The one lady says, I think you're out date September 5th. And I said, well, man, I need to call somebody. And my wife, before I left, she said, honey, call me every night. Sure. Because normally what you do is you just go over the phone, you pick it up, you dial zero, you make a click call, and you call home. No. Because, see, there's convicts in there. There's guys that are locked up that are very smart, and they know how to do stuff. So what I didn't know is that they had a couple months back, year back, whenever it happened, they had found a satellite number. And so they were able to call out from the phones, and they were just passing it along to all their friends, and all their friends were calling on the side, and pretty soon it ran up this huge bill. So now when you get in there, you have to call. you got 30 seconds to say, hey, babe, you need to go down to Western Union. You need to set up an account, and then I'll be able to talk to you. Okay, bye, I love you. That's what you get. But they give you two chances for that. And then you don't get any more. So I used my two chances, and I didn't get any more. And God knew exactly what he was doing then, too. Because, see, now the TV's gone. My big screen, where is it? 57-inch, I'm missing you. It's gone. The dog's not there. Wife's not there. The kids aren't there. The house ain't there. The church ain't there. You being a pastor ain't there. All this stuff ain't there. You don't even have your own clothes, dude. Just me and who? Me and God. That's how it started 10 years ago, and that's where I needed to get back to because I forgot some stuff. I forgot how this process works, you see. So as I'm standing there, and I'm going through change, I'm not liking it. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I can't get on the phone. I want to start stomping my feet. I was acting like a little kid up in there. Well, I'll, you're, you're going to do something. You're going to let me use the phone. And they're like, dude, who are you? I said, don't you know I'm a pastor of a church? And I said, we don't care. You committed a crime. You're locked up. Deal with it, stupid. So I'm, I'm angry, you know. I saw the situation going on. I got no phone call. I got no money. Hey, and you know what? When I was there back 15 years ago or however long it was ago, they didn't have the Zoom Zoom and Wham Wham machine like they got now. And in translation, sodas, chocolate chip cookies, burritos. That's what we call Zoom Zooms and Wham Whams in there. They didn't have all that. Now you're going three times a day. So now I'm really mad because I got no money either. I didn't bring no money. I can't get no food. They're feeding me this stuff. I don't even know what it is. But I'm just going to eat the part of it. I think that's what it is because I'm getting out of here tomorrow because everybody told me so. And I believed them. Four days later, I'm still there. Got no money. Still can't call. So then I got a homeboy calling through another phone trying to get to my wife. Ain't working. I'm stuck. 
So I'm really trying to balance this. I know how to be a convict. I did it for a long time. I know how to be a pastor. I can do that. But I'm trying to walk this fine line between a convict and a pastor. It was kind of crazy in there. There were times where I had to go, what, dude? You don't know who I am, do you? And then there was other times I got to be soft, you know, and just be real with people. And that's what I love to do, you guys. You got to understand something. I just love to be real with people. I just love to love people, you know. I love to see people smile. I love to see people have a relationship. I love, I just love people. So I'm in there, and so this is something new, too. They gave me a Mexican bunkie, which got nothing against Mexicans. Love them. My son's part Mexican. Hi, Zach. Um, but it's different than when I was there before. So, and his name was Flacco. I don't know how, I don't know where they get these things at. Because I said, what's your name? He said, Rod, Rodney Martinez. I said, well, how'd you get Flacco? But anyways, that's a whole other story. And we'll share that next time we talk. So I get him as a bunkie, and this guy's an old ex-heroin addict, and he's just going through changes. He's, you know, he's got this lady that he met, she's in love with, and she just found out that she's pregnant, and he's looking at like nine years, and just all this stuff's going on. I'm like, okay, well, there's number one. Let me check on here. Yep, got Flacco right there. So I said, okay, God, we got Flacco. Flacco's my bunkie. I got this. And then... I go out, and, and nothing really happens then, but I go out, and I'm, I'm out on the yard a little bit, and then this guy by the name of Carl Green comes up, and he goes, hey, aren't you a pastor at Zion Church? And I was like, wow, cool, that's weird, and I'm standing here in blues with him, it's kind of an awkward thing, but he had remembered me from a retreat two years ago, and he's like, man, what are you doing in here? You know, he's just shocked. Finally, I found somebody who knew who I was, right? Praise the Lord. I got one. Pay attention to this guy. He knows some stuff. No. Wasn't about that either. But so he said, how's Terry? My brother-in-law, Terry, had actually brought him up to the men's retreat. And uh, I got to not really interact with this guy, but he remembered his experience up there. And he remembered his experience with God. So he came to me and he said, Dan, you know, I'm, I'm going through a lot as well. You know, I got some stuff going on. He goes, I got to get rid of this lady over here, and I got to get focused, and, you know, all this is going on in my life, and I'm out here in 18 days, and he just starts pouring. You know, in the midst of all this, though, I'm a mess. You guys, isn't it just awesome that you can be a mess, and God will still use you? It just, it amazes me. So I'm like, okay, because I got my Billy Wood at home. You all know Billy Wood. I love my Billy Wood. Me and Billy Wood have been doing this a long time. He's kind of like a project of mine, too. I love him. Sometimes he gives me, sometimes I give him. I'll give you that much, okay? I said it in front of public, okay? It's enough. All right, we're good. But so I got, I got Billy Wood at home, and I'm thinking, God, okay, now I'm going to have a Flacco. I'm going to have a Carl Green. And then the, then the real kicker comes in next to me, sleeps next to me on, on the bottom bunk, and his name's Ron Smith. And I'm standing here, and I'm just like, man, what, what am I doing, Lord? But see, God put people in my heart. He put this compassion. He put his love in my heart. Because 10 years ago, I didn't care about none of you. Honestly, I was doing my own thing. You know what I mean? How can I get what I need from you and go about my day? But God put this love in my heart, his love for these people. So we're standing there. And as the day goes by and the next day, actually, the flock was telling me all this stuff. And I'm spending time with Carl. We're walking past and we're talking. So that's working out good. I'm working out good with flock. And I'm like, God, man, you're really doing some stuff here. And I'm, I'm going to try to keep this short. But, you know, so we're, we're talking about all this different stuff. And then finally, I'm laying there in my bed one night. 
and Flacco's telling me some more stuff, and, and God is speaking to my heart. He says, I want you to pray for him. I want you to pray for him right now. And I want to tell you something, people. The hardest thing that I've ever done in my life was lay there and not pray for him because I couldn't. Have you ever been there? I'm a talker. I can talk to anybody. I can get up here and talk in front of you. I can talk out there on the porch right now if I needed to. I could pray for anybody. Been doing it for 10 years. I know how to pray. I know how to say all the right things. I know how to do all the right, right things. Okay, I got a cool relationship with God, man. We are, we're buddies. But that night on that bunk, I could not pray for this man. And it broke me. It broke me. Because I was consumed by fear. My boldness was gone. Everything about me was gone. And I laid there and I just prayed to God. And I said, God, I need you. And it broke again. And I said, God, I need you. And it broke again. And he said, Danny, do you need me? And I said, I need you with everything that I am. Every day that I wake up. Every day that I take a breath. Every step that I take. Everything that I do, I need your hands wrapped around it or I can't do it. I'm an ex-druggy, ex-convict, and I don't know what I'm doing. But you do, and I trust in that. And I thank you for bringing me back to this bunk, sitting here in these blues with absolutely nothing, so I could have that intimate relationship with you again. Because, see, we can stand up here, and we can do all these things, and we can build walls, and we can do all this stuff, but bottom line, people... It's a relationship with God. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a relationship with our Lord and Savior that is the everlasting that is everything that we need. And if you don't have that, I encourage you today, talk to me afterwards and we'll get it. We'll find it. I'll spend time with you. That's my true heart. So right away, I'm just rejuvenated. I'm alive, you know? I haven't been alive like that in a while. Kind of just been angry and doing the motions and how much more stuff could I pack on my plate? Because if I can do all these things, if I can do all these deeds, if I can get all this stuff done, then maybe... I'll find that place again. And he said, no, your place is in me, period. Trust in that. So I opened up my hands and I said, God, you can take any of this that you need. You can take any of this that you want. You can take any of this that is distracting me from you. Take it. And he's working on that. So that'll probably be the next year I share. But so the next day I get up and Flacco's right at me again. Boy, he's up early. He's having coffee and... He's getting it done. And, you know, he offered me a little sip of his coffee, so I took one. I'm just a nice guy, and I, I sucked it down. And I'm not kidding you, hair grew on my tongue instantly. That stuff was like, woo! I didn't need chow that morning. I was ready to go. But I said, I looked at him, and I said, Flacco, Flacco, I want to tell you something. I'm a pastor of a church. But beyond that, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and I have a relationship with God, and I'd like to pray with you. Can I do that? And he said, yeah, I would love that. And right there in that dorm, I prayed with Flacco. In the midst of the storm, in the midst of drugs and stuff going down, I prayed with Flacco. And for me, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about because that guy got, just for a minute, he got a little bit of something, you know? He got a little bit of something that he needed. And like 10 minutes later, I'm out on the pinochle table because that's what I do. I play pinochle in there. I play it pretty good too, by the way. Got some... No, okay, we'll leave that out of it. That's a whole other story, too. And he walks up to me, and he says, Danny, he goes, I want to tell you. He goes, I've never felt peace like that in my life. I've never experienced anything like that. I said, amen. 
Just keep it up. Just keep talking to him because he's there. He's available for you. So Flacco's taken care of. I feel like I've done what God wanted me to do with Flacco. And we continued a relationship. And when I left, he said, you know what? He said, you're the best monkey I've ever had. And he's been doing it a long time. But uh, God, you're the best monkey I ever had. Anywho, so we're working on Carl Green some more. And we're going to get him involved. You're probably going to see him around here in a few days. Great guy. Just welcome him and love on him. He's not that far off. You know what I mean? He just, he just needs some guidance and some love. But we got to get to the Ron Smith of my story because this was the one. Jason's been talking about the 99 and the 1, and this is the 1. And sometimes I feel like the 1. I think we all feel like the 1, that we just don't fit in. We just don't know if we belong. But I'm going to tell you right now, in, in the house of God, we all belong. We all belong. There ain't nobody. You know, he created us all. He loves us all. And we all belong. So anyways, so I'm standing there, and it's mail call. And I've kind of seen that Ron was kind of going through some detoxing and, you know, off some methamphetamine and some different stuff probably. And uh, he needed some nourishment. He needed some food. So I'm not really eating. I got a little bit to lose, right? So I make it a purpose to get in line next to this guy and because that's what it's about. You got to develop a relationship with somebody. You got to you got to open a door, and you got to allow God to open that door. And so I made myself available, though. That's what we do: is we got to make ourselves available. Okay. And so I put myself in that place where I was available. All of a sudden, we talked a little bit over Chow, and then by the next day, we were a little bit better. And by that night, we were really good. And we're talking homeboy this and homeboy that, giving the old you know knockdown shot. And uh, but he's only met the convict side of Dan Randall, the solid wood, as they like to call him the tough guy, because I kind of had that reputation out there. And uh, he only had met that guy. And then we're standing there, and it's mail call, and they start handing out a couple Bibles to a few other people, and I can hear him next to me going, ah, Bible thumpers want to play Christian in prison and all this stuff and blah, blah. And I'm like, whoa, we got a hot one. God, I don't know if I'm up for this. How am I, how am I going to do I'm a pastor. He's over there just not happy with all of us. I'm telling you right now, if I said something about church, he'd have been all over it. So I'm like, oh, God, how am I going to do this? And he goes, you're not. I am. Don't trip. So all right, because that's how God talks to me sometimes. He says, don't trip, by the way. God can say that. He invented it. Anywho, so I'm standing there. And Ron comes up to me after mail call, and I just heard this. And I could have let fear come in. I could have let a lot of things happen in that situation. But I just looked at him and I said, the only thing that I could say to Ron at that point in time, I looked over him, I looked over him over across the bunk and I said, hey, Ron, you realize I'm a pastor? That's what I said. And he went, really? And I went, yeah. And he goes, I would have never guessed it. And I said, well, amen. Praise God. Because you know what I mean? Being a pastor or being a follower of Christ doesn't mean I'm any different. Amen? It just means I have a relationship. And I often wondered about that, you know? I'm a real person. I'm up here. I live life. I suffer. I go through things. I have joy. I have happiness. I, I have all these different things that go on in my life. But the difference is I have God in my life. And he's in control. Thank you, God. Today I can say that God is in control of my life 100%. I have nothing held back. Okay? That's the difference. And I often wonder sometimes, how do people go through the things that we go through and not have that relationship in their life? Well, that's our responsibility, people. But anyways, so I looked over and I said, I'm a pastor. And he was just blown away. 
And now everything changed. Why did everything change? His demeanor changed, how he talked changed, everything kind of changed. That's not what I wanted, though. That's not what God wants. God didn't come to me and say, Danny, I need you to change everything. No, I'm going to take you just like you are. I'm going to love you just how you are. And hopefully, eventually, someday, you'll be different, you know? But no promises, no, no you know, none, none of that going on. So he leaves after that little weird awkwardness, and he comes back, and he wants to tell me that, but he's drawn back. He's like gravity we're talking about. He was drawn back for some whatever reason, and uh, he wants to tell me a story. He goes, but I don't know if I can tell you because it, it has some stuff in it that I don't know is appropriate. And all of a sudden, he went from this, I don't know, it was weird, right? I'm just, I'm tripping off it. And I looked at him, and I said, Ron, I want to tell you something, that there's a God out there that's real and that he loves, he loves you, and... I'm just a regular person, and you can talk to me just like you would talk to anybody, and nothing in our relationship has changed. And so we had a great relationship, and then I ended up doing some stuff for him when he got out, and he's over at Salvation Army, and our relationship has begun. And I just left it at that. I didn't, I didn't pray with him. I prayed for him. I didn't do a whole lot of other stuff other than that. But that was my experience, and I'm telling you, my time in there has been... It was just amazing. It was refreshing. It, it made me realize that I didn't need all this other stuff. And it was crazy because me and Tim, I would just want to finish up with a little bit of this. But me and Tim were talking the other day. And he had said something to me that really struck at home for me. Because he was telling me his, a little bit of his story and about the status of things. Do you remember? The status of stuff. And a lot of times we do stuff. It's all right. It's cell phones ring. It happens. No big deal. We love it. Rock it out. Who is that, by the way? That's, yeah, that's a, that's a good song. Anywho, so we're talking about the status of stuff. And Tim was telling me about how, you know, he did a lot of stuff in his life for the, for the status of, of things. And as he said that, I went, wow, that's pretty awesome because I looked at my life and I did a lot of stuff in my life for the status of things. And God is not a status. You know what I mean? God is a relationship. So I went home last night. I want to tell you. I went home last night, and there's nothing like just going in and be physically worn out and be physically done with the fight and be just laid down on your bed, and you throw your arms up like that, and your big English mastiff jumps up on the bed, and he's 205 pounds, and he just lays his fat head right here on your shoulder, and you go, okay, God, let's work this out. And God has gave me some clarity, and he's gave me some direction, and um, I'm just going to finish up with this right here. And basically what it was through this whole transformation was just coming back to my first love. You know, people, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to love my wife. I don't know how to love my kids. I don't know how to love you. I don't know how to do anything without the first love of my life. And that first love of my life is Jesus Christ. That first love of my life is God. And so if I can encourage you today to do anything, is to get back to your first love. Push some stuff aside. Get rid of the TVs. Get rid of the busy lives that we got and everybody's got them. Kind of slide those around for a minute before it's too late and get back to realizing your first love. Because I'm going to tell you, there's not nothing you can do. There's not nothing you can say. There's not nothing that hasn't already been done at the foot of that cross. And so I want to encourage you guys with that today. I want to invite Andy to come on up, and we're going to, 
we're going to have a little a moment of communion. But I just want to tell you that, you know, my first love, like I said, is found in, in Jesus, but it's also found in my heart. And it's also found in the people around here in your guys' hearts. You know, I see God working every day, and, and I just want to encourage you with that. Right now, they're going to they're gonna lead a little, little worship. And uh, I want to invite you guys up for a moment. We're going to just take, take a couple of minutes. You know how we do communion around here. There's bread up here. There's wine. Just take a minute to remember your first love this morning. There's an offering basket there if you want to make that part of, part of your worship to, to give to the Lord. But really, honestly, guys, just, just take a few minutes and just remember your first love. Just get with him for a couple minutes and, and work some stuff out if you got it going on. Because we don't even realize that it's going on in our lives until it's really going on in our lives. You know what I mean? And, uh, okay.